2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The unofficial title of the Friday edition, Another Week Closer to Death. We should get that on a t-shirt. Only to wear on Fridays. Another Week Closer to Death. One Week Closer to to death all of us that happy thought one week closer to death baby
0: one more dawn one more day one day more man I'm a man of routine I'm a man of
2: habit and I would not be able to function if I wasn't able to say tomorrow that we are one week closer to death maybe you and I can get together and do some videos during the break and commemorate the fact that we're one week closer to death or a few more weeks closer to death either way enjoy your weekend That was when we signed off last week from PFTPM for our summer break. Little did I know at the time that only one week after being one week closer to death last Friday, we're one week closer to death again. Miles Simmons, Mike Florio, appropriately, we're both wearing black in honor of the fact that we're all one week closer to death. Good morning. You know, this stupid little throwaway line from however long ago has now become the catchphrase, the morbid, awful Disgusting catchphrase that I fully embrace. I don't know about you, Miles. Good morning.
0: Oh, well, uh, good morning, Mike. Yeah, what a what an intro that was, man. Nah, I, I feel so good now that we are officially one week closer to death. But it is nice that we get to say that in the morning. You know, we don't usually get to say that in the morning.
2: I may not be one week closer to shaving. I need to tell you a story. Yesterday morning, I was so excited by the fact that the NFL had released the full regular season schedule, all 272 games. I was so excited I forgot to shave. So today (laughs) I decided to let it ride because my beard is so white you can't even really see it. I may let it play out through the weekend or at least until my wife tells me what the hell is wrong with you. Go shave. She hasn't noticed yet that I haven't shaved since Wednesday. So Mm. I'm one week closer to not shaving along with being one week closer to death.
0: You know, it's funny, Mike. I, I would love to be able to grow a beard, but I just can't. It just comes in so horribly patchy up there. So it's like, if I don't shave before I get on television, man, it, it just would look really, really bad. And then you probably would never want me back. So I always Miles, shave.
2: I'm going to be, I'm going to be 56 soon. And I don't think I can grow a full beard. I've always <laughs> abandoned after five or six days when it starts to look patchy and ratty and someone inevitably close enough to me with the ability to speak hard truths would ask me the inevitable question, what in the hell do you think you're doing? And then it's straight to the bathroom, razor, off, gone. Conversely, my son has had a beard since he was 15. And it's full, and it's awesome, and and uh, apparently that you're doesn't come from jealous. my DNA code. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, so, uh, all right, well, we got plenty to get to today. It is PFT Live. We're here for the next two hours. Appreciate Miles getting up early to join us. There is much to discuss, and let's begin... the guy who continues to be at or near the top of the NFL news stack. Tim Tebow and the Jaguars doing their best to knock him down. But, oh, he continues to bubble up. Something that I reported yesterday morning, and credit to Trey Wingo during the draft, during that, not during the draft, but the first day of the draft when there was the avalanche of Aaron Rodgers reporting, he had pointed out that Rodgers... Believe that the Packers at one point in the offseason had told him, Miles, that they would trade Aaron Rodgers and then they reversed course. I've continued to hear that. Now, the Packers regard that as unequivocally false. And from the Packers' perspective, their attitude is, we're not really aware that's an issue. And you'd like to think that if you got a guy who believes he'd been told he was going to be traded and then the rug gets pulled out from under him when we don't trade him and we say we're not going to trade him, You'd think that at some point someone would say to us, but you said you were going to trade him. But even with that, the sense, the story, the notion, the rumor, whatever label you want to apply, it continues to ricochet around the NFL. So there's something there that hasn't been fully knocked down, that Rodgers believes something was said to make him think they were going to trade him, which made him even more upset. When they didn't, especially when there was an offer on the table from the 49ers that the Packers rejected a night before the draft. And pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. There was a real offer made. This wasn't a, hey, you don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers, do you? No, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, bye, have a good draft. It was much more than that. Rodgers wanted to go to San Francisco, and the Packers shut it down, Miles.
0: Well, so here's the thing, right? Like, it, it seems like there is a there there between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and whatever it is that made him so mad that caused this schism you know this fissure to be in the relationship and whether that started with Jordan Love getting drafted or it started in the off season where you know after Aaron Rodgers plays really well he performs like an MVP and they know that they still have a guy in Jordan Love that is eventually going to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers then they have to say all right well we are going to do something Uh, to remedy this situation, to make it better. And I guess that's the impression that Aaron Rodgers got was that I'm going to be traded and that's going to be the remedy to the situation. But like, how would that make any sense? Why would Green Bay decide, oh yeah, we're actually going to trade you reigning MVP. That's something that makes a lot of sense from our standpoint. When we've got you under contractual control for the next couple of years, logically I can say like, okay, Aaron Rodgers might have believed that he would be traded, but why would he think that that would actually be something that would happen?
2: And you just wonder whether or not at the core of this, there's some sort of screwy, madcap sitcom premise where a big, crazy misunderstanding happens and you spend the rest of the 22 minutes trying to resolve it only to have some lightning bolt instant that wraps it all up so they can end the show and move on to the next one that begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night. That's what it feels like to me, that somebody said something that caused someone to think something that just kind of festered because the communication and the entire relationship has been so dysfunctional. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Rogers genuinely believed or heard what he wanted to hear and processed it the way he wanted to process it because of his perspective, And from the Packers' perspective, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Of course we were never going to trade you. Why did you think that we were ever going to entertain that possibility? So, look, it's just another piece of a puzzle that creates a picture that we don't know what the hell it is. The pieces are coming together, and we don't know what the hell it is. And to add to our collection of pieces that we don't know what the hell they are. Aaron Jones, Packers running back, appeared with Rich Eisen yesterday on the topic of ultimately and inevitably the status of quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Here's Aaron Jones talking about his quarterback.
1: Sitting back, I mean, I see what everybody else sees. I mean, I haven't heard from Aaron or
2: anybody, so I'm just I'm going to wait to. I get up to Green Bay and see for myself, or
1: hear hear it from him myself. You know, it's just I don't get caught up in uh, reading the reading articles and things like that. I'll just wait until it plays out and control what I can control. What's your sense? Do you think Week One, when you're in New Orleans, you're going to be grabbing a ball from twelve?
2: I mean, that's my quarterback. That's our quarterback. Uh, so
1: I would I would hope so. Like I said, I hope he's our quarterback. Hope he's there Week One, handing it off and it all works out.
2: You know, Aaron Jones deliberately choosing not to find anything out, not to determine where this is all going, not speaking to Rodgers, not seeking out information, just kind of going with the, the flow. Look, he got his contract, and he's getting a decent amount of money. He probably got more from the Packers than he would have gotten on the open market. One of the reasons why he did that deal before he went to the open market. He had exhausted, I believe, given the way that he's things are done, exhausted all opportunities elsewhere before deciding to stay with the Green Bay Packers and take their eight-figure-per-year offer. So, you know, he's in the, the honeymoon phase of renewing his vows with the Green Bay Packers. And, and you know, this is my broader concern, Miles. If you're Aaron Jones, if you're Devontae Adams, if you're any other player on that team, there will be a point where being asked these questions over and over again, will become tiresome. And it just underscores the fact that at some point, Aaron Rodgers does need to say something. My new friend, John Kuhn, apparently yesterday, making the argument that Aaron Rodgers owes us nothing by way of an explanation. Well, you know what? If all of his current and former teammates are going to have to do the talking on his behalf, at some point he owes it to them to eliminate this mess that they have to deal with because Aaron refuses to talk and they're all out there talking, and they're the ones that have to deal with all the questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm one. I'm one um, week closer
2: know, to having John Coon's trunk searched.
0: Yeah, no doubt. See, he, <laughs> I will find you. Um, that's really interesting, John Coon. Hey, Miles. Let me say something, Miles. Miles, let me say something.
2: Somebody responded to that by saying, gee, what does this, who's this guy think he is? Somebody's actually looking for him. Hit says I will find you with an exclamation point. <laughs> How else am I supposed to interpret that?
0: I don't know. I have no idea how you should interpret that other than like by interpreting what it says. John Kuhn thinks the same thing about you that Aaron Rodgers does, apparently, man. But he's gone a step further because all Aaron Rodgers says is don't read that crap from Mike Florio. John Kuhn wants to find you. That's his first Hmm. mistake. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Look, I, I think that you're right, that there's definitely going to be a point where it's just not fair for guys like Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams to have to go on the radio in their media appearances and just have to answer questions about Aaron Rodgers, because that's the only topic that matters about the Packers right now. It does not matter that, you know, it's very nice that Aaron Jones has 13 million guaranteed reasons to be okay with what's going on there right now because he just got his. But if you're somebody like Devontae Adams, you'd probably rather be thinking about, hey man, how are we going to not just get back to the NFC championship game, but actually reach the Super Bowl this year? And if you, all you have to do is just answer questions about your quarterback, who is still the reigning MVP, that's going to wear on you at a certain point. Now, I don't know if that's now because these guys aren't still aren't doing regular media. You know, I mean, OTAs are going to start soon. And then there's probably still going to be some sort of Zoom press conferences. And that means that guys can get shielded in some certain ways. But look, until Aaron Rodgers starts speaking for himself, it's really kind of not fair to those guys who have to speak for him, who are not the I'm retired and I'm a surrogate and I will find you, Mike Florio, types of people who are, you know, making their money basically off of the media now.
2: I saw a clip from whatever show it is that John Kuhn does yesterday, and he just doesn't seem to understand the very basic chain of logic that is running through this. He speaks to Aaron Rodgers and then he speaks publicly about his beliefs regarding the things that Aaron Rodgers wants or will do or that this is fixable, and if Aaron Rodgers continues to speak to him after he does those things, he's clearly being used by Rodgers to get the word out, because if Rodgers wasn't happy with the things he was saying, he would no longer talk to him. He would no longer tell him things. He would text him or call him and say, John, listen, these things you and I are talking about, they're meant for private consumption. One of Kuhn's arguments is, I'm not out there seeking to be on these shows. Well, so what? So what? You're still agreeing to do it, and you're still agreeing to talk about it. I speak to Aaron Rodgers, and this is what I think he wants. And, uh, again, there's a chance that that Kuhn is one of various pawns on the chessboard that Aaron Rodgers is manipulating, and Kuhn is slowly in the process of coming to the realization that that's the case. So, uh, regardless, John. Hey, and, John, anytime you want to talk about it, I'm easy to find. I'm I'm very easy to find. And I'll be even easier to find if I'm dead in the trunk of your car. Okay, Uh, let's move on on that happy note. Um, One week closer to death. One week closer to death, baby. And one week closer to getting resolution, more importantly, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Because, look, Miles, OTAs. He's either going to be there or he's not. Mandatory minicamp. He's either going to be there or he's not. Training camp. He's going to be there or he's not. And in between that annual shareholder meeting, which could be very interesting if Aaron Rodgers is poised to hold out. I still think he's going to show up. I think comments by guys like Kuhn and James Jones are intended to lay the foundation so Aaron can show up and say, what's a big deal? What's a big deal? And maybe one last ditch effort to get him the contract that he's looking for that would tie the Packers to him for multiple years, making the Jordan Love presence moot and irrelevant and potentially put him on the trade block.
0: Well, Mike. Mike, when is your drop dead time of when there's either going to be some sort of resolution to this, whether it's Aaron Rodgers' new contract, Aaron Rodgers gets traded, or maybe Jordan Love gets traded?
2: I well, I, I think that the start of training camp, because I think that's when the Packers fans go to DefCon one. I, if he's not there for mandatory minicamp, they probably get to DefCon two. But right. but if he is not there at the beginning of official training camp with the bicycles and the cheese heads and just, you know, it's 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 love and family and football all together. And, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. It's a special time. It is, it is. If he gives a middle finger to the organization and indirectly to the fans and doesn't show up for that, that's when I think it's it's go time. And uh, I think that if they're going to get anything fixed, they need to do it by the start of training camp. And, and we'll see. And look, the Packers may continue to say we're not doing a damn thing. You're not getting a new contract. You're not getting it. You, you've already gotten a lot of money from us under this contract. You're a big boy. You're smart. You went to Cal. You know what this contract meant when you signed it, and you knew that when we got to the out years, we're the ones who hold the cards, not you. So if you don't want to play, don't play. We'll take our $30 million back that you owe us, and uh, we'll move forward. We'll spend that money on other players. So I think by the start of training camp, we'll get a final resolution, and I think he'll be there, and he'll, he'll remind people not to read the crap that I write, um, regardless of whether I'm in John Coon's trunk. All right, uh, quarterbacks that we know will be at training camp and also at rookie mini camp. By the way, the whole "Hey, rookies, don't show up for mini camp and show solidarity with your union brethren." That that it's if you haven't noticed, it's not working. The rookies are there, and I think one of the inducements a lot of the rookies are signing their contracts. Miles, you know, yes. I last year I think the process was slowed down by the pandemic, but this year it just seems to me like it's moving faster and i was I bounced it off some folks on both sides of the of the aisle the, the team side and the agent side and this notion and it wasn't unanimous some have said now nah, i don't think that's part of it the rookies are going to be there anyway but i feel like it makes it easier to cement their presence for the voluntary offseason if they've gotten their signing bonus if they've gotten their commitment if they're protected against injury and it's formal and it's official it, it makes it more likely that they're not going to wake up one day and say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be here, or they're not going to give in to pressure from veterans to pack up and leave.
0: Well, right. And look, we've been saying this from the beginning when the NFLPA started saying, like, look, uh, let's not show up to the uh, uh, voluntary offseason program this year. It's like, well, if you've got guys who are rookies, are just coming in there who are not the first and second round picks, who really need to be there in order to earn a spot and earn their job, especially guys like the undrafted free agents, they're going to be there. So no matter what the veterans want to say, this was always going to be the case, and now we're seeing it come to fruition. And I think the other thing is that you're starting to see some guys who are veterans on some teams, or at least, you know, guys who are going into their second, third year, they're saying, you know what? No, we're going to show up too. Saw that from Justin Jefferson the other day going to the Vikings, and he said other guys are also still going to be there. So, Mike, that's good news for you, and that's also maybe some bad news for maybe veterans around the league who are like, no, I don't really want to go show up to that. Well, you know what? If the Vikings are going to start doing it, then that means other teams are going to start doing it, too. And I think it's going to start snowballing, and we're really going to see that that effort to keep guys away is not going to work out.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I was speaking to an agent earlier this week who has double digits rookies. I don't want to give the specific number because I don't want anyone to be able to figure out who it is, but it's more than 10. And that agent said to me, all my rookies are going to be there. Just kind of a laugh. Yeah, they're all going to be there. They need to be there. They need to be there. He's, so, he's doing
0: his job. Uh, that's 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 yeah. what he should be doing because he's looking out for the best interests of the player and making and saying like, "Hey, guys, you need to be there in order to try to get a job." So, absolutely. I mean, that's the way it should be.
2: That's one of the inherent differences between this union and a union where they come in and there's already a baked-in workforce you're never going to take 90 and reduce it to 53 like you do in the NFL. And that's the reality. There is an inherent competition among union members for those jobs. So all the rookies will be there. Trevor Lawrence will be at the Jaguars rookie mini camp. He's been overshadowed all week by another guy who's, Name begins with a T. He is expected to do some limited work. Remember, he had the shoulder surgery earlier in the offseason on the non-throwing shoulder. He's expected to do limited work, whatever that means. When he had the shoulder surgery, the expectation was it was a five- to six-month recovery. He'd be ready for training camp. Training camp's still a couple of months away. So I don't know what limited work means, but he'll be there and he'll start to learn the offense and this this reboot of the jaguars officially commences with lawrence showing up and urban meyer coaching up these jaguars players and there's the dog that looks just like my dog macy
0: yeah look at that hair man that flow is something else from trevor lawrence my goodness. Well, I mean, gosh, he just—he just looks like a QB one, and that's all he really needs to do this week is just go over there, stand around, maybe do a do a press conference, look like a QB one, start to learn the offense, and that's all it really. Uh, freshman, man, I just messed this up. It's rookie. It's rookie minicamp, but I like to call it more like freshman orientation. That's really all this is. You just you come in, you get to know the building, you get to know the people who work around the building. You figure out where your locker is, where the cafeteria is, where your meeting room is. And you kind of go out on the field and you have on a sh- uh, you have on shorts, you have on maybe a jersey, your helmet maybe, and you just start to get the basics of what it feels like to be in the nfl and so trevor lawrence probably not going to need to do all that much this week that's what training camp is for that's more what otas are for and we don't necessarily know how much he's going to do with all of that either but look i i just think that right now when you're somebody like trevor lawrence all you got to do is just go in there and establish that you have a presence because once you have that presence of qb1 that's fine
2: for the vast majority of teams that do their training camp at their regular practice facility, you're absolutely right. You're, you're getting a preview of what it's going to be like. You get an opportunity to get your feet wet. And, and you get a chance. And, and I know there's plenty of debates about practice speed and practice intensity, and they've got different levels, and they have a Pro Bowl tempo, whatever that means. But I remember when the late Joe McKnight showed up for Jets – minicamp and ended up puking all over his shoes he's getting his first taste of what it's like football practice in the nfl that's part of it too they're going to work you a little bit now they have backed off some remember the jaguars several years ago in his Mm -hmm. first rookie minicamp what happened to dante Fowler jr pop goes the acl so teams have learned i think let's not throw these guys directly into fray they're 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 competitive they don't care whether it's 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 walkthrough you want to prove yourself you got guys going live or close to it, and I think that's going to be another frontier for this fight as we push back and we see pushback from players against what the teams do. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's their first taste of real NFL football, and at some point, and I think this is calculated, you want them to have that moment where they realize, oh, wow, this is going to be different when training camp rolls around.
0: Yeah, exactly. You want them to have that then as opposed to what happened last year with guys through no fault of their own. It was the pandemic. All right. They come in in late July, early August. And it's like, oh, man, like I haven't necessarily exactly felt like I was an NFL player. I mean, I've been sitting at my computer at my tablet and we've been going through these meetings and I've been talking with my new teammates. But now that I'm here, it is just a much different feeling because I see my locker I see the helmet, I see all these different things, and it really signals to me that I am in the NFL. You want to get that out of the way as early as possible so that guys can then just lock in and say, yes, I know what I'm here to do. And, you know, it's funny because there are guys who went out there and had such good rookie years, and I kind of don't know how they did it, man. Like, when you think about everything that those guys had to go through last year that was so different than what they are typically, doesn't Herbert... I mean, the way that he was able to get in there in week two and just really be somebody that we think is now going to be an elite quarterback, I find that highly, highly impressive. And Joe Burrow, too, you know, before he got injured, he looked really good. But this this is going to be something different for these guys where they can come in there, they can get a little bit of a sense of normalcy, and they can start to establish themselves as they compete for these spots on this roster.
2: Another quarterback who will be present and a guy that we talked about a lot more than Trevor Lawrence, because we knew where Trevor Lawrence was going. We didn't know where Trey Lance was going. We didn't know what the 49ers were going to do. He will be at rookie minicamp. And he said, among other things, I can't wait to have teammates again. This is a guy whose team, (laughs) North Dakota State, played one game last year. One game. And I still don't know what the 49ers are doing. And I don't know how many years Trey Lance is going to sit on the bench. He's already got one year where he didn't play much football. Is there going to be a second year where he doesn't play much football? Is there going to be a third year where he doesn't play much football? Who knows? But at least for him, he commences the process of getting up to speed. And I think it's a crash course because ideally what the 49ers should want is Trey Lance to be ready to go. That the coaching staff believes it. The locker room believes it. He's ready to go. Jimmy G, you go to him late August and you say, hey, we need to cut your pay to $12 or it's take a hike time. That's what they should hope they're able to do. If they can't trade him, you don't pay him $25 million. You don't have to pay him $25 million. The guy that we gave up three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get is ready to go.
0: Right, exactly. And this, I mean, it reminds me of the Carson Wentz situation, and it's an easy comp to make, especially because we're talking about two North Dakota State QBs. But look, I think everybody thought, or at least the prevailing thought was at that time in 2016, that Carson Wentz was not going to necessarily start the season as the starter because they had somebody like Sam Bradford. But as time went on, it became clear that Carson Wentz could start in week one. And so then when that catastrophic knee injury happens with Teddy Bridgewater in uh, Minnesota, then Sam Bradford gets to be traded and the Eagles pick up an extra pick. So I, I think you don't, First of all, you never hope for anybody to get like a catastrophic knee injury. That's something that you certainly don't want to see. But usually something happens in August. And I think that at a certain point, uh, the 49ers are probably going to say to themselves, well, if we can get something for Jimmy Garoppolo, then that's probably what we want to do. Because at least that's the ideal situation. Because you don't want Trey Lance, I think, to sit for another season of football. It has been so long since he was playing football consistently. When you're talking about, man, I can't wait to have teammates again because it's been that long since you've had them, since you've been able to go out there and compete with guys, and that's something the QBs love. You know, they love to be part of the guys. They love to be leaders. They love to be teammates. So if that's what usually – if that's what they want, then that, I think, is going to really kind of help Trey Lance to be like, all right, I need to come in here and I need to establish myself – as somebody who is going to challenge Jimmy Garoppolo for this starting quarterback job for week one. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of months.
2: Yeah, and crash course, learn the offense, get Kyle Shanahan to the point where he can trust this guy. I think that is one of the key aspects of the Trey Lance and any young quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. Can I trust you? Are you the guy that can be... and? Chris Sims always talks about this as it relates to John Gruden. It's his high-end performance sports car, and you have the keys to it as the quarterback. Can you be trusted with those keys? That's going to be one of the challenges for Kyle Shanahan. And if there is any truth to the idea, and I think there is truth to the idea that he wanted Mac Jones when they traded up six, seven weeks ago to get the pick that became Trey Lance, that may make him more likely to not, be willing to hand the keys over immediately and maybe they are maybe they are mm. locked into Jimmy Garoppolo for a year. The thing about the 49ers, if they're trying to create the impression among the rest of us that we don't know what they're doing, they're succeeding. Cuz I don't know what they're doing <laughs> and I really do wonder at times whether when we look at the broader scope since March 26 when they made the trade, whether they know what they're doing, Miles.
0: Well, look, I mean, since that day when you and I got on the air on PFT PM, we've been saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is not long for this world with the 49ers. I mean, we didn't quite go as far as Kyle Shanahan when he said that, you know, we might not all even make it to Sunday, but you know, I think it was pretty clear that you don't want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo 20, the $25 million he's owed, especially when you go up that far and you pick a QB. Like, I, it just doesn't seem like something that they should do. Like, logically, with all that we know about the NFL, Mike, with all the years that you've been covering the NFL, it just doesn't seem like something that they should do, following everything that we know about what it takes for quarterbacks, you know, and, and, and especially now in this day and age where you basically have three years to figure out if your quarterback is good or not. Because otherwise, you don't know what to do with that fifth-year option. You don't know what to do when it comes to signing them to a long-term extension. So, from the time that you draft a guy, that clock starts. So, that clock is now, it's ticking, man. And so, I think that they have to figure out what they're going to do with Trey Lanson. I think, especially because he hasn't played as much football, you got to get him out there on the field sooner than later so you can actually see what he's doing. And plus, I don't... I don't necessarily know the intricacies of the Kyle Shanahan offense, but I, I do feel like if there's a scheme that protects what the QB does, it's that one. And think about what Brian Hoyer did with the Browns in 2014. Think how good um, that Matt Ryan looked in 2016 with that offense. Like, There's a way, I feel like, for a rookie to come in there, so that he can do something, and then get out on the field and look really good. So... I don't know. I, I still tend to think that he'll be, Lance will be out there sooner than later and Jimmy Garoppolo won't be there.
2: It really is a strange situation. You have a quarterback who took you to the Super Bowl when healthy, possibly not because of his skills, but because of the offense. Remember when Kyle got freaked out against the Vikings in the divisional round, it became Bob Greasy playing quarterback for the 49ers until the Super Bowl. And then he missed the throw in the Super Bowl that was a championship throw that could have won the trophy for the 49ers. And now this idea that They've pivoted away from Garoppolo because he can't stay healthy. So they give up three ones and a three to get his replacement, but we're not replacing him with his replacement just yet. We're going to reserve the right to have him, as Jed York, the CEO of the team, said recently for up to two more years. It just doesn't fit because there are other alternatives. First of all, you could have sat at 12 and see who fell to you, and you don't have to give up two extra ones and a three to get another quarterback. Maybe Trey Lance would have been there. Mac Jones was there now. And and that's the thing. The 49ers that weren't one of those teams that we would have circled as oh, There's a quarterback hotspot. It would have been a surprise. Just like it would have been a surprise for the Vikings to take Justin Fields at 14. if fields had been there. We'd have been like, holy crap. Look at this. They just keep their mouths shut. They could have set it up. And if all else fails, take a guy in in one of the later rounds and develop him to be a real backup to Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy you can trust, not like CJ Beathard, Nick Mullins. And then give Garoppolo one more year. If you believe in what the guy can do when he's healthy, then give him another year to see if he can be healthy. I mean, he was healthy all of 2019. Just because he tore right. his ACL in 2018 and suffered an ankle injury last year that caused him to miss 10 games, that doesn't mean he's going to like tumble down the steps like Gerald Ford and not playing any games this year. There's a timely reference for you. It. it, wow. it so I, I just I don't I don't get how this is happening, Miles. And I'm gonna. Revert back to something that I've said recently. I think that they're so freaked out by the fact that they didn't bite on Patrick Mahomes in 2017 that they told Tom Brady no thank you to his Bay Area homecoming last year. We're good with Jimmy G. Those two things have caused them to do some things that, to an outsider, might look a little kooky. Because I think they're getting desperate to rectify their past mistakes.
0: That's an interesting point because I think that whenever you start to think about, you know, what I didn't do in life, you know, oh, man, I have this regret because I, I didn't do X and I didn't do Y. And so that sets up your, yourself to say, well, I'm going to do it different now for Z. Right. And, and I guess that that's kind of what's happening, but you know, you say like they're saying that they you still believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, obviously you don't because you don't trade up, you know, all those picks to get to number three, to obviously take a quarterback, if you believe in the guy that you have, you you just don't do that. I mean, it's the same thing that you could have said about Kansas City and Alex Smith in 2017, right? You don't trade up to get to number 10 overall and then select a guy. And then you're saying, oh yeah, we still believe in this quarterback that we have. I mean, obviously you really don't because you, no matter what you think, it, or no matter what you say, you clearly think that in order to actually win a championship, in order to actually bring home the Lombardi trophy, you had to go up and get this guy, right? And so it, obviously it worked in Kansas City. They've raised the trophy and they've been to two consecutive Super Bowls. And since uh, Patrick Holmes has been starting, they haven't finished any worse than the AFC championship game. It remains to be seen how that's going to work in San Francisco, because I don't know if it's really a vi- that much of a viable option. To still say, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, you're our starter all year. You got to figure he's going to get hurt at some point just based on the history. And then Trey Lance is going to be in there anyway. So I don't know. It just, obviously, from what their actions have shown, that they do not believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a Super Bowl winning quarterback.
2: Last point I just love to know what the 49ers would do if the Packers would call them up now and say, (laughs) How about Nick Bosa? George Kittle, you know, because it's not like they have first-round draft picks to give, right. <laughs> but right. start picking names off the roster. We'll give you Aaron Rodgers. What would they do? And, uh, yeah, and and if, if they'd have had Tom Brady fall into their lap this year versus last year, they probably would have said yes because this is the year they decided they can no longer trust Jimmy G to be on the field. All right, the Bears need Justin Fields to be on the field. And, Miles, given the schedule, given that the Bears open the season – against your second favorite team except when the Browns stink the Los Angeles Rams the (laughs) fact that the Bears are going to be the first team to play in that stadium when there's actually fans there it's going to be a big game it's going to be prime time I think that increases the urgency to accelerate Justin Fields get him ready to go the Bears have their mandate not mandatory their rookie minicamp this week excuse me building blocks will be what they work on with Justin Fields and uh, it's going to be a little bit harder to put those building blocks together because Matt Nagy had a close contact with a COVID-19 positive individual. Nagy won't be on the field, but other coaches will, and they're working or planning to work to get Justin Fields ready to go. And as I said when they drafted him, if you can't beat out Andy Dalton, why the hell do you give up next year's first round pick to move from 20 to 11 to get Justin Fields?
0: Well, right. It's, it's interesting because I mean we just made the Patrick Mahomes comparison, but it's different because you know, while the Bears were in the playoffs, the Bears did not necessarily have the kind of success that Kansas City had, you know, with Alex Smith before they got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Dalton's a new QB there anyway. So I agree with you. You you don't trade up to get Justin Fields without really believing in Justin Fields. And, you know, it's interesting too, because their week two opponent is the Cincinnati Bengals. That's one of the worst defenses in football last year. And now, of course, they've made some improvements to that unit, but I think going up against the the number one defense in the league, Los Angeles Rams that they were last year, you know, you got Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey, and you got Leonard Floyd. Like, those guys are real good. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of shifts, what kind of differences Raheem Morris does now that he's taken over as defensive coordinator with Brandon Staley going down uh, the 405 to be the head coach of the Chargers there. it's I think it's going to be really interesting because that's not an easy assignment for a rookie quarterback who was getting his first taste of NFL action. Maybe it's a good thing that there are preseason games this year.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the big differences. And that's what makes, as you mentioned earlier, Justin Herbert's performance, Joe Burrow's performance last year more impressive, to do all that without the benefit of, I mean, week one last year, Joe Burrow, first time he's ever wearing a Bengals uniform in a competitive setting, was in a regular season game. So we'll get to see these guys three weeks this year in the preseason but we have have those 17 regular season games for the first time ever let's take a break we we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson this year in part because we don't know what's going to happen with the 22 pending lawsuits it had been quiet for a while the noise has returned and I think I know exactly what's going on and it ultimately could be Ultimately, could be good news for Deshaun Watson. We'll explain that next here on this Friday edition. Hashtag one week closer to death. PFT live. We're back.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks and head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies.
2: It had been quiet in the Deshaun Watson litigation for nearly three weeks. I firmly believed it was quiet because the lawyers were talking about a potential settlement. And it's come to light in the past couple of days. That's exactly what's gone on. Tony Busby took the initiative. He's the person who represents the 22 women who are suing Deshaun Watson. Busby said the other night to Mark Berman of Fox 26 in Houston, the settlement is not happening. And he had more things to say, including that his clients believe that the NFL's investigative process is not showing them due respect. The NFL responded to that in a statement yesterday. You can find that at PFT. Obviously, the NFL believes it's handling everything properly as it tries to investigate these claims. But I think the most significant development, Miles, came yesterday when Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, had this to say. In a recent interview, Mr. Busby stated that a settlement is not happening. We certainly agree that there are currently no settlement negotiations being conducted. While we have never approached Mr. Busby about a settlement, he has approached us on numerous occasions in the past about the possibility of a settlement. We have made clear all along that there would be no settlement unless the terms are made public and all participants are allowed to speak in their own defense at all times. We want none of the participants, the plaintiffs or Mr. Watson, muzzled by a settlement agreement. Mr. Busby does not feel the same. Here's what this means. This means that if this is accurate, and I've yet to see Tony Busby's possibly inevitable response, but if this is accurate, this turns the typical practice on its head. Usually when you're the one who's writing the check, Part of what you're paying for is the confidentiality because you don't want people running around saying, this guy's giving out free money. This company's giving out free money. All you got to do is file a lawsuit and you're getting yourself a lottery ticket. You want it secret. You want it quiet. You want it confidential. In this case, based on Harden's statement, Harden and Watson want to be able to say, look at how little we paid. That tells you these claims had no merit. Busby wants it to be quiet because what happens is if it's quiet, people are going to assume big checks being written by Deshaun Watson. So again, Busby may dispute everything Harden said, Miles, but this is so dramatically different than the normal case. And hey, kudos to Harden for putting it all out there. I mean, that's an aggressive move, and he's been very aggressive in his defense of Deshaun Watson. That's very aggressive to put that out there, and and it speaks to a level of confidence they have in their case. If it's true that the amounts that have been discussed are so small, they'd have no problem letting the world know what they are.
0: Right. That's that's the interesting thing to me. It's it's kind of like this is the first step in sort of turning the public perception um in, I don't want to say in favor, but it's kind of what it is in favor of Deshaun Watson, you know, it, it, because to this point, it's basically been look, look at all these cases. You can't ignore the fact that there are 22 cases against Deshaun Watson. You can't necessarily ignore the fact that there are upwards of 40 massage therapists that he's used in the past couple of years, based on the 18 that came out um, with statements in favor of Deshaun Watson as well. So now I feel like when you hear something like, look, we want all of this to be public, which is honestly, I mean, it's not something that I feel like I've ever heard of before in in, in something like this, where uh, the person, where the defendant would want that all of this stuff out in the open and to be able to talk about it publicly and for the plaintiffs to still be able to talk about it publicly and for the settlement amount of money to be also public. That's very interesting to me. And I think you're right. It must speak to some level of confidence that they have, but Rusty Harden has in Deshaun Watson, that this is going to work out well for them.
2: Now it's entirely possible that Rusty Harden would still seek, a commitment from the 22 plaintiffs that they not speak to the NFL. But hmm. if they can speak publicly, who cares? See, right. so th- th- this is just kind of, to me, a tactical shrug by Rusty Harden at the entire case. Like, we're not worried about it. We're not worried about it. We, we know what Tony Busby is willing to take to resolve these cases, and he- we know he's not willing to let that all be public. And, and if I was Busby, and look, he, he's kind of in checkmate here from a PR standpoint, I would be upset because th- there there is an etiquette involved where these discussions are supposed to be confidential so people can speak freely. You, you, you undermine the ability of people to speak freely in negotiations if everything you say during the negotiation can and will be held against you in a court of public opinion. So- It could keep these cases from settling, but if they're talking about right now a range of payments that would prompt Rusty Harden to say, yeah, we're fine with this coming out, it tells me that Tony Busby possibly is ready to move on. It's possibly he's vetted his clients a little more carefully. It was an avalanche of signing people up. And I think once you start asking tough questions, which may be why some of these individuals were uncomfortable when they were asked just, you know, reasonable questions that they regarded as tough questions, there's a lot of tough questions you're gonna be asked. And you're gonna to get to the bottom of a lot of things. And the folks involved are gonna realize this is a stressful, trying, demanding process. And there's gonna be a lot of people who are who are asking us questions in a way that make us think that they think we're not telling the truth. So It could be that Tony Busby is just ready to move on. And you know what the genius of this could be, Miles? It could be that Harden now agrees to confidentiality now that he's gotten his message out, that it's Mm -hmm. not your usual case where confidentiality means Deshaun Watson has written six-figure checks to everyone involved.
0: So, do you think that this is now going to get loud again? I mean, that we're going to k- get these public statements between Busby and Harden like every day, every couple of days, like it was sort of in mid to late April, you know, before the draft. And it seemed like every single day there was something new. Do you think that's where we're headed?
2: Well, it's either going to get very loud because it means litigation is going forward, or it's going to get quiet again because it just dawned on me that that Harden's statement, beyond the fact that it sends a message that is very significant to anyone who's paying attention, and he does it in a subtle way, so it's not obvious. He doesn't come out and say, hey, Tony Busby only wants 10000 each for these folks. That's nothing. That shows it's just a nuisance. That's nothing. That's a, that's a frivolous lawsuit that he's trying to get resolved. They haven't said that, but, but it could be that this is Harden's way of getting that out there for the benefit of folks like us who will then explain what it means. And now they settle the cases with the confidentiality provision, because Mm I, I kind of knew about this a little bit and that may have been the only impediment. And if that's the only impediment and Harden is now comfortable going to Deshaun saying we can give them confidentiality because I've kind of made my point, then then maybe that's the path to getting a resolution. So I, I I still will not be surprised if it resolves. And I think that the competing comments this week were just that that one last kick, that one last effort to start the motorcycle. You know, I, I'm not a motorcycle guy, never have been, but I know you got it. You got there's something you got to kick, and sometimes it takes a few kicks to get the engine going. Is it a Kickstarter? Is that what it's called? And and this may be the last kickstart to get the engine going so they can settle the case
0: interesting uh yeah i'm not really a motorcycle guy either i just prefer my cars with three pedals so that's basically all i know about that but i I do think that look if that's the case then if these things get settled if these cases get settled um if they get resolved then it also is going to start meaning that you know deshaun watson as a football player is going to start becoming a part of trade talks again is it not you know because it, that like that's that's the next logical step, because it seems like Houston has set up something so that uh, they don't need Deshaun Watson anymore so that they can be prepared to trade him whenever these cases are resolved. So if that's the case, then it, we're going to start probably ramping up the trade talks about Deshaun Watson again probably soon.
2: Dolphins-Eagles are the two teams I would watch. And if the cases are settled, even though Watson will likely be suspended by the league, you can't have these 22 claims with these tawdry facts out there and have no consequence given what they did to Ben Roethlisberger 11 years ago. Or, or they can't. They can do whatever they want. But uh, yeah. once the cases are settled, I think that's when he's in play to be traded. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a guy who was traded by the Panthers to the Broncos has some things to say about his one year with the Carolina Panthers. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football
1: Talk Live.
0: I think, man, like that organization, they'll have to like just practice different things, you know, in, in, in different ways. Um, like one of the things we didn't do much of when I was there, we didn't practice two minute really. We didn't practice red zone. You walk through the red zone stuff and then Saturday you come out and practice red zone, but you only get like 15
1: live reps. and Guys, oh, the all we we you know I'm not going to delve into specifics about our process. Some of that to me is specific to us, um, but I feel really good about our preparation and the the amount of work that our coaches put in and the amount of work that our our players put in. The amount of practice work, I think we push them in a really smart way. So, you know, when you have 140 guys in the locker room. Guys will disagree on some things sometimes. Um, you know, when, you know you uh, can't ask everyone to you know uh, agree with everything I, I feel really good about what we do I want to make sure I say that I feel really good about the way we practice and our process I'm disappointed to hear that he didn't feel the same way
2: 140 guys in the locker room did he accept both the Panthers and the Giants coaching job there's not 140 <laughs> guys in the locker room what the hell was that Miles <laughs> I don't so, know I don't look,
0: know if they had 140 I, guys at Baylor or Temple or something <laughs> yeah, I don't know man that was weird <laughs>
2: Here's here's what what happens. You bring a guy in, you tell him all year long, "You're my guy. You're my guy. You're my guy. You're my guy." Until he's not your guy anymore, he's not going to take any bullets for you. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. He's going to answer questions and he's going to tell the truth. And it's not like Teddy Bridgewater, in his seven years in the NFL, has established a reputation for being a guy who talks a lot and says a lot of things that are fanciful, exaggerated, or embellished. I think that's the most I'd ever heard Teddy Bridgewater talk in one continuous setting, frankly. He's a guy who's very guarded. He's private. He's quiet. And for him to come out and say that, I have no doubt that he's telling the truth. And, you know, this is just part of the adjustment when you bring a coach to the NFL who has very, very limited NFL experience Matt rule was the assistant offensive line coach with the Giants back in 2012 I believe so it's part of the adjustment it's part of the growing pains there's only so much time you have on the practice field and you've got to to budget it just like if you're at the buffet line you only got one plate well you can come back but there's only so much food you can fit on that plate Miles and you got to decide what it's going to be what's your priority and that's what that's what Matt rule decided last year and I have no reason to doubt Teddy Bridgewater
0: Boy Mike, you got to go to more buffets. If you think you can only have one plate, man, like you got to If you're going to I mean, nah, maybe, but like if you're you at dub- the breakfast buffet, do you do buffet, double
2: plates? Do you oh, do absolutely.
0: double plates? Look, if it's breakfast buffet, I'm I'm definitely putting a waffle on one plate, I'm getting pancakes on another, and I'm making sure that I've got a sufficient amount of bacon on both. So, I don't know what buffets you're going to, but you got to go to some better ones, man.
2: I don't go to buffets because I can't once I start, I can't stop.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's that. the only I'm aware reason that
2: limitation. Well, 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 before the pandemic and the whole, I'm but, too yeah, fancy uh, for
0: buffets. No, that's how that came off, Mike. That's what no, that no, was. no, 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 <laughs> no. And, and,
2: I, and I, I always, the buffet was always, a, I'm very neurotic. If you haven't noticed, it was always a source of stress for me because back when I didn't have much money, I, I, I felt like I had to eat enough to get my money's worth but I didn't want to eat so much that they had to roll me out of there in a wheelbarrow. So I, I just was always like, have I eaten enough to justify the four ninety nine? but have I eaten so much that, you know, I'm going to gain five pounds from this experience. So I never was really a big fan.
0: Well, that's, that's fine. Look, you just uh, learned uh, more do- about
2: me than you ever wanted to know.
0: Perhaps that's true. Uh, But with Teddy Bridgewater, look, I I think that you're right. He's not necessarily a guy that usually comes out and says all that much, especially things that are that particularly critical. But I think over the course of the season, where you had Teddy Bridgewater, you know, not be able to get the team over the hump late in games, that is one of the reasons why I think Matt Rule and the organization really kind of soured on Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you had um, you had David Tepper, the owner of the team, basically come out and say, "Look, we have to be better at the end of games." And when you're the owner of the team is saying that publicly, and it's a pretty you know at pointed criticism at the QB, then I mean, you kind of know that your term there is going to be over. So. I mean, it's not that there's any love lost, I guess, between the two sides. But, yeah, I don't see why Teddy Bridgewater would feel like he has to defend the practice uh, schedule for a team that he's no longer on, especially when that team kind of blamed Teddy Bridgewater for some of those late-game failures.
2: And, and you know, I, I got an issue with that. Look, they, they, they knew what they were getting in Teddy Bridgewater. He wasn't fundamentally yeah. different last year with the Panthers. And when you consider the fact they didn't have Christian McCaffrey for most of the year – um, I, it's David Tepper is obsessed with getting a franchise quarterback. So th- they got smitten with the idea that Bridgewater could continue what we saw from him in 2019 when he was 5-0 and as a starter with the Saints, work with Joe Brady, and reach a next level. And it didn't happen. So they write it off, and they move on to the next guy. And if it doesn't work with Sam Darnold, that's why the, the cautionary tale for Darnold is they're in love with you now. They'll fall out of love with you quickly. And they'll move on from you, and they'll they'll pivot to someone else because Tepper wants a Patrick Mahomes, he wants a Tom Brady, he wants an Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to keep swinging the bat no matter what it costs him until he gets the guy that he wants. And this year it's a Darnold, and next year it may be someone else. And if it ends up that Darnold's the guy, great. We problem solved. We got a quarterback for ten years, and we're going to go contend and compete every year. That's exactly what Tepper's doing. And uh, Bridgewater learned it the hard way. Donald may learn it the hard way, and they'll keep learning that lesson until they find the guy that they want. All right, let's take a break. When we return, some nuggets about the schedule. The thing that had me so excited yesterday, I forgot to shave, and this year or, or today, I decided the hell with it. I'm not doing it either. We'll discuss those nuggets when PFT Live continues right after this.